Thank you. Well, good morning, folks. Well, take your Bibles, find Acts chapter 3 if you would. And I know it's always a, a little bit, sometimes probably a little bit of a disappointment when you show up and pastor's gone. But um, I tell you, it is a privilege of mine. And so let me just, uh, uh, let's just say a word of thanksgiving to you. Um, one, uh, thank you, Pastor Tommy. And then Pastor Chip, I was telling you between the two services, man, I tell you, the music has been just a wonderful time of praise the Lord. Amen. And, uh, and I tell you, I, I thought Chip had either written my sermon or read it or heard it before because the music can't sync up any better. So, so if you leave, if you leave confused or hurting, it's, it's probably nobody's fault but mine. But anyway, um, I, I look forward to sharing God's word with you. And Brother Jim is a dear friend. And you all are dear friends too. And I know I may be a new face to you or a different face um, if, if we've never met. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you on behalf of so many folks who this side of heaven may not ever get to stand up here before you and share with you. One was mentioned that back in 2002, I planted a church down uh, south side of Richmond over in Chesterfield County. And your church was a part of that, believe it or not, you were. You, you've been a part of planting churches all around Virginia, uh, all across the United States, obviously a part of God's missionary work all around the world because of your partnership with Southern Baptist. So I just wanna say thank you for that. Thank you for your willingness to pray. Thank you for your willingness to give through Quad Program and your missions offerings. You're a very generous church. Thank you for your willingness to go and thank you for your willingness to send. Um, right now, you've got folks that are able to be helping with flood relief uh, folks in Southwest Virginia where there's a lot of flooding. I know it's not in the news like Hurricane Ida was. We had folks go there too as disaster relief volunteers because of your church's faithfulness, part, faithful partnership in the gospel. I think about... Um, hundreds of folks who are being prayed for across our state because of churches like yours involved in our strategy of trying to bless every home. And then just the other week, you all were host, and uh, Brother Clyde was telling me that this place was packed out. You were host for one of our International Mission Board sending celebrations. And I have found two statistics that really have captured my attention to give thanks for. Over this past year, our International Mission Board, if I'm reading this right, 422 or in that neighborhood, four, over 400 new missionaries sent in this year and over 240, about 247 is the number I have, new people groups engaged. And loved ones, that's something to praise God for. Think about that, over 400 new missionaries, over 240 places engaged in a global pandemic, amen? We have lots to be thankful for. But the reason I share that with you also is to remind us you know, in the midst of all of what we can celebrate, we have more access now than we've ever had before. We probably have more resources, more opportunities than any other Christians of any generation throughout history. Yet here's my message for you today. And I wanna to try to make this real plain and simple for us. We cannot change the world in our own power. We can't change lives in our own power. We can't serve God and reach people in our own power. One thing the past year and a half should have taught us is that we're not omniscient and we're certainly not omnipotent. We have concerns about our culture. We, we, we face opposition. We see things that, that worry us if we're honest, but we know truth is under attack in many quarters. Loved ones, understand this. God is not pacing this morning in heaven in his throne room, he hasn't, he hasn't looked at his cell phone and seen the news feed. He hasn't opened up his Sunday morning paper and said, oh my goodness, what's happening in the world? He knows what the world's coming to, amen? And he knows that he's already provided us the answer in Jesus Christ, amen? And so today I wanna point us 
to an early episode in the Spirit-empowered ministry of the Apostle Peter in Acts 3. Because Brother Jim's been preaching in 2 Peter, right? And in 2 Peter, what you really see in that short epistle is it teaches us that only by God's grace in Christ are lives truly, truly transformed and are we empowered to live righteous, holy lives even in the midst of opposition. When Peter writes 2 Peter, he's facing really probably imminent execution. He's, he's, already, he's already under persecution. He's already dealing with opposition because he's a minister of the gospel of Christ. But something had changed in his life. Something had gotten his attention. His ministry had been transformed. You even read about Peter in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Something happens at the end. I'll tell you what happens. It changes his life. It's the resurrected living Lord Jesus Christ that transforms his life. Amen? And his ministry becomes empowered. He, he gets this point. He gets the fact that he cannot, he cannot change the world in his own power. That it's going to take the power of Jesus Christ to change lives. And what you see in Acts chapter 3 is you see a demonstration of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. So look with me at Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read starting in verse 1. I'm going to read about 10 verses, okay? You follow along in your Bible. Here's what the Bible says. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now that would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried. This man had never walked a day in his life. Being lame, it means this, he couldn't use his legs. He couldn't walk, he couldn't even crawl over there. So some merciful folks, some folks showing him charity, I don't know if they were family members or friends or just good natured people, they're carrying him day in and day out. They lay him daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask for alms. He's begging for money is what that means of those entering the temple. So picture this, the first two verses, picture this. This man lame from birth, he's being carried, he's being laid at what they called the beautiful gate. We believe that there were several entrances into the temple. We believe this was probably the gate that was the most ornate. It would have, it would have had a gold shimmer to it, even though it would likely been made, been made of a bronze and cover. But folks, what this, this ornate gate was right where he was laying. That's where they would lay him. And they put him there because it was a, strate a strategic location. As folks would go in to say their prayers, many of them would feel pity and would show charity to the lame that had been placed there. And so that's the picture. Look at verse 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms for them. He holds out his cup. He has a sign in his hand. He says, hey, listen, how about helping me out? And this is what Peter does in verse 4. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. And this is what they said. They said, look at us. So now don't you know the guy was expecting for them to probably give him some cash? Because you know how it works. I mean, you pull up to an intersection, and you'll have someone there. Maybe they're holding a, a sign, and they're asking for some help, right? Now, now you know good and well that you do not make eye contact with them, all right? You, you're not, I know, I, know, I, know, I know how it works. You're sitting there and if you don't want, if you're not wanting to give them anything that day, here's what you do. You grab your phone off and you act like you've got some important messages coming through. You sit there, you start fiddling with the radio. You start talking to the kids in the back. You don't, you don't want to look them in the eye. You don't want to get their hopes up. Peter and John, they say, they say, hey, look at us. Look at us, guy. 
And so don't you know, of course, verse 5, he fixed his attention on them. What's the Bible say? Expecting to receive something from them. But here's verse 6. And this is the verse I've highlighted in my Bible. And this is why I want to share this message with you today. This is what it says. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. And right there, the guy must have been like, well, what gives? Why are you asking me to, why are you asking me to look at you? You just want to make fun of me or what? He says, listen, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. And here it is. Boom. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then the Bible says in verse 7, he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And the Bible says this, immediately, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood. He never walked a day in his life. And all of a sudden the Bible says, and he began to walk. He entered the temple with them. Walking, he's not only walking, church, he's leaping. And because he can walk and leap, he's praising God. It's the first time he's ever been allowed into the temple because he was a lame man. He's walking, he's leaping, he's praising God. And so this is what happens, verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him because they just walked by him coming into the prayer service as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And here's what the Bible says. They were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Loved ones today, I want to talk to you about this. I'm calling this sermon, No More Lame Excuses for Reaching Out to People in Jesus' Name. All right? I want you to know God gives us some reasons in this episode for us to reach out to people in Jesus' Name. So let me pray for us. Father, I pray right now. I pray right now, each and every one of us, that you'll search our hearts. God, I pray that you would encourage us to once again realize, remember, and recommit to the reality that, Lord Jesus, you have the power to transform and change lives. You can make the lame walk, leap, and praise. Oh, God, I pray the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord God, you are my rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, whenever I read this episode in Acts chapter 3, I'm reminded of a story that Paul Harvey, the late famed radio commentator, used to share. He talks about this mom who has taken her three-year-old son with her to the grocery store. And so when they get there at the grocery store, she plops him in the cart, puts his little seatbelt on him. You know how you put him into the shopping cart so he won't crawl out. And now she looks at him and she gets down on his level because she'd been to the grocery store with him before. And she said, now, son, listen to me. We're just running in the grocery store real quick. We're going to get a few things that mommy needs to cook for supper and to get us some, some things that we need at the house. But what I don't want you to do, I don't want you asking me for any treats. I don't want you asking me for any cookies or anything, okay? We got stuff at the house. He goes, okay, mommy. So she, she, she pushes him in. She begins to look for things. And she hadn't even hardly got in the door. And all of a sudden, he's tapping on her, arm, on her hand, pushing the, pushing the shopping cart. Hey, mommy, hey, mommy, how about, how, about we get, how about we get some of those chocolate chip cookies? And she's like, son, listen, I already talked to you. I already told you. We're not messing with chocolate chip cookies today. Okay, I've got a few things. I got my list. We got to get in and get out. Okay, mommy. And she, and she goes along there. And, and wouldn't you know it, right there in, in the middle of where she was pushing the cart by, there was one of those 
kiosks that they stick in the middle of the lane, you know, where they got stuff on special, and they were right there. There were some chocolate chip cookies. He sees those. He just thinks it's a miraculous sign. He's like, Mommy, look right there. There's the chocolate chip cookies. Can I please have some of the chocolate chip cookies? She says, Listen, I've told you once. I've told you twice. No chocolate chip cookies. All right, Mommy. And she begins to go on and push, get some things. And wouldn't you know it, right about then, she had to turn down, down the aisle in their grocery store. It's just like my grocery store where she was going to get some crackers. And in her grocery store, just like ours, the cookies are on the same aisle with the, with the crackers. And right when she was getting the crackers, she turns around and he's holding a box of chocolate chip cookies that he's grabbed off the shelf. He says, Mom, can we get these chocolate chip cookies? And she says, she jerks him out of his hand, puts him back on the shelf, and she looks around because you got to look around. People got video cameras nowadays. She gets down to his level. And she says, listen, son, I'm telling you now, get this through your head, all right? My wife and I have three kids, so we speak from experience. All right, she says, listen, listen, I told you, no cookies. Okay. She heads towards the checkout. She pulls into the checkout lane, and right there, you know how there's the chewing gum and there's the candy. Well, on this particular checkout aisle, there are also where these conveniently individually packaged four packs of chocolate chip cookies. He sees those. He's given up, he's given up on his mother right then. He proceeds while she's unpacking the groceries, laying them on the, on the uh, checkout counter. He unbuckles that little seatbelt, stands up in the shopping cart, raises his hands to the heavens and says, in the name of Jesus, will somebody get me some chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> Now, that got people's attention. Here's the interesting thing. He says, here's the rest of the story. Not only did he walk away with one pack of chocolate chip cookies, he walked away with 24 packs of chocolate chip cookies. So somewhere today in America, there's probably a grown man who believes there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> now, I share that with you as just an illustration of this reality. Have we seemingly forgotten where the power is? Loved ones, I'm telling you, there's something that I want to encourage the churches that, that we see serving in Virginia to lean back into. Loved ones, listen. Let me just kind of share a moment from the heart here. Um, we're facing some challenges just within this state. We're facing challenges within our local communities, within the counties and the cities that we call home. Just the other week, I closed out. I was the closing prayer person for the March for Life. I'm not trying to give a political commentary. I'm just making this point to you. The reality is this, is the very week after that March for Life, and, and I believe in us doing those type things, and I'm glad that SBCV is helping to try to encourage churches to, to be involved at that level because we certainly believe in the sanctity of life. That very next week, a survey came out saying that two-thirds of Americans do not believe that um, the abortion laws should be overturned. That same week, Congress voted by two-thirds margin to tighten some of their own laws that are pro-abortion. I just share that with you as an example to say, I'm not really thinking we're going to absolutely be able to legislate our well, ourselves out of some of the mess. Here's the bottom line. Shoot straight with you today, loved ones, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we need to be involved in policy. Yes, we ought to be uh, Christian citizens. But here's the bottom line. We must not forget where the power is. We need to see revival in our churches and we need to see spiritual awakening in this land. That's why you can go to places in other parts of the world where there isn't legally a lick of religious liberty and you see tremendous revival and lives being saved and lives being changed. It's because understand this, back in the day of the apostle Peter, 
They weren't sanctioned. They didn't have religious liberty. And the bottom line is this, what they did lean into is this. They leaned into the power of God. Amen. And loved ones, it is time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Virginia and America and of course around the world for us to once again re-engage and remember that there is transforming power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm going to just give you three reasons for no more lame excuses about reaching out to people in Jesus' name. Because here's the point. We reach out to others because the awesome power of Jesus Christ heals broken people in amazing ways. This miracle is here to teach us and to remind us that there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. And what you're going to see take, what you see take place in this text is the miracle of this lame man being to walk, but what it becomes is a platform for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be preached. So here's your first reason. There are hopeless persons in this world. You see, all of us are born lame, whether we realize it or not. The Bible says this, look back at verse two, a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. Here's the reality. This man understood. He knew he was lame. Everybody and his brother knew he was lame. They could look at him until he was lame. He never walked a day in his life. His legs didn't work. But he wasn't the only lame man there that day. Because you see, what I think, what I think it was a real shame is there was people, they could physically walk, but they couldn't walk with God. There were people walking by him every day, throwing him chump change, and they were every bit as lame as he was. It's just they could walk physically. They had money, they had jobs, they had physical health, but they were spiritually lame. You see, loved ones, all of us are born into this world lame. All of us need Jesus Christ in our lives. He was a hopeless, helpless, and in many respects, a useless person. He wasn't doing anything but laying there. And here's the reality. Without Christ in my life, my life is hopeless, it's helpless, and ultimately, it's really pretty useless. That's why Jesus in Matthew 9, Jesus heals a lame man. The Bible says in Matthew 9, getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to Jesus a paralytic. He was lying on his bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, this is what he said to the paralytic. Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. See, that's the hopeless situation all of us are in. Our sins make life seemingly hopeless. But Jesus says, my son, your sins are forgiven. Behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said this to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God. And this is what they said. God has given such authority to men. Loved ones, Jesus, when he looked out into the crowd, he just didn't see a crowd of people. That's why I'm not saying hopeless people. I'm intentionally using the word persons. Because I don't want you just to lump everybody into some big crowd. Now, billions of people live in this world. And even what we tend to do in our own community, in our own state, is we tend to kind of lump people into categories. Well, those people are like this. These people are like this. 
I tell you what God convicted me of this week in studying this passage is I need to look at each person. I need to realize it's not just this crowd, individual persons. My neighbor has a name and she needs Jesus. My kid's friend at school, she has a name and she needs Jesus. Loved ones, there are hopeless persons. Hopeless persons who need hope. Jesus in Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, the Bible says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Oh, loved ones, listen, Jesus wants us to see the hopeless persons. But understand this, also catch this. It's not just seeing them, it's understanding, oh, there's power. Secondly, secondly I want you to see not only are there hopeless persons, but here's your second reason, there is healing power. Oh, you see it in verse six, it's the key verse of this paragraph. Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Kids, if you want to highlight a verse in your Bible, highlight verse 6. Get this verse down. I have no silver, I have no gold, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Have you lately just thought about his name? I mean, think about if you never heard the name Jesus. Would you just say that out loud with me? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. We almost take it for granted, don't we? But there are people in this world, you know, there are people in this world, they've never, they've never heard this. They've never heard this. Matthew 1 She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one that's come to fulfill the work of God. He's the King of kings, Lord of lords. Colossians 1.20 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus Christ. And then he says, of Nazareth. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He doesn't say Jesus Christ of Jerusalem. He doesn't even say Jesus Christ of Bethlehem. He says Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus was known as the Nazarene because he was raised, brought up in this ordinary town of Nazareth. I was in Israel the other year, went to all kinds of places, including Jerusalem. Spent a couple days in Jerusalem. They were like, we're going to have to spend several days in Jerusalem. There's a lot we need to do here. And they said, but one place we're not going to go. Because I asked them, I said, what about Nazareth? I said, oh, we're not going to mess with Nazareth. Nazareth is just kind of a little town. It's just kind of ordinary, not much to see. There's a few shops there, this and that. But eh, let's not mess with that. Here's the deal. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know what it reminds me of? Jesus is as real as it gets. And by the way, Jesus just didn't come for the folks who lived in Jerusalem. Jesus just didn't come to folks who have status. He just didn't come to certain places. Jesus came for the whole world. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, and he has this healing power. You see, you see, it's interesting. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he has this authority. The name represents authority. It reminds me of a couple years ago. Actually, it was in January of 2018. I don't know if you remember this in the news or not, but they had a scare in Hawaii. Do you remember in the news in Hawaii when all of a sudden an alert went out, 
warning them that a ballistic missile strike was imminent in the state of Hawaii. I mean, they put it on the highway signs. Can you imagine the panic and the fear? What if you're driving down Interstate 95 or 64? You know those, uh, those digital boards they put up over the highway tell you there's been an accident or a wreck? Imagine this up there. This is what it said. Hawaii emergency alert. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. They broadcast that in the state of Hawaii. People went crazy. Can you blame them? Why'd they take it seriously? Because it came in the name of the authority. That's why. Loved ones, I could, I could go up to the White House today and I could say, hey, let me in, let me do this. And I'd say, well, who are you? Well, I'm Brian Autry. What's that mean? What's that got to do with us? <laughs> the president's name has authority to it. Loved ones, I want you to know there's healing power in the name of Jesus Christ. It's interesting. When you, when you read through this episode, you come to Acts chapter 4. Acts 3 and 4 basically go together. In Acts 4, verse 10, this is what, this is what Peter says. He says, by the name of Jesus, this man standing before you was made well. He was made well. Down in verse 12 of Acts 4, the Bible says, Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Folks, I'm telling you, no more lame excuses about reaching out to our neighbors in the nations. When you volunteer and you work with preschoolers, you work with children in this church, understand this. You're not just doing it in your name. You are serving in the name of Jesus. When you reach out to your neighbors, you are reaching out in the name of Jesus Christ. And I know what happens. Sometimes we're thinking, well, you just don't know my neighbor. You just don't know my loved one. You just don't know my coworker or my classmate. You just don't know how far gone they are. Loved ones, I'm telling you, this man was a hopeless person. But Peter and John believed there was healing power in the name of Jesus. And I want to ask you today, are you believing in the healing power of Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus can still change lives and transform folks? There's a story from church history, and there's different versions of it, but it goes back to the day of Thomas Aquinas, who served in the Catholic Church. And, and, and supposedly, he was walking through the streets of Rome. And as he walked the streets of Rome with one of the church's cardinals, decked out in all of the cardinal's garb and all of his royal clothing, they walked upon... A beggar. The cardinal reached into his pocket and tossed the beggar a silver coin. He quipped to Thomas Aquinas, no longer, Thomas, does the church have to say, silver and gold do we not have. Thomas Aquinas, without missing a beat, said, yes, but no longer can we say, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Loved ones, I'm telling you, I'm thankful for all the resources we have. I'm thankful for how the Lord has blessed us. But today, I want you to hear loud and clear. We must depend upon the power of God. Loved ones, you can. I know there's hopeless persons out there. You may be here today and feel like you don't have a lot of hope. I want you to know there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus to make you well. There's power in the, G in the name of Jesus to get you into heaven. There's power in the name of Jesus to, to, to battle evil. The Bible says in Luke 10, the 70 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. There's power in the name of Jesus for answered prayer. 
In John 14 and John 16, Jesus said, What you ask in my name, my Father in heaven will answer. Now, loved ones, that's recognizing the authority, though. The authority is with God. Oh, they're hopeless persons, but there's healing power. But finally, don't miss what I just call the hallelujah impact. We actually sang the word hallelujah a little bit earlier this morning. Just look at what happens. It says this in verse, in verse 8. Leaping, he stood and he began to walk and entered the temple with him. Walking, leaping, praising God. He was singing his hallelujahs. And the Bible says, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who had sat at the gate. He'd gone from being a beggar to leaping and praising God. And the Bible says they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Here's, here's the impact. Here's the impact of what had happened. First of all, the lame man's life is transformed. He was never going to be the same again. Secondly, the people at the temple are amazed. You know what? It's time for us to be amazed again at how God can change lives. Amen? The people are amazed. Now, some people are annoyed. <laughs> Not everybody's going to applaud people coming to faith in Christ. Some are annoyed by it. But praise God, there were people who were amazed. Now, actually, the leaders, the religious leaders, they were astonished at the boldness. You see, here's what ends up happening. This miracle leads to an opportunity to preach a message. And in the rest of Acts chapter 3 and on into Acts chapter 4, not only is one lame man transformed, not only are some people amazed, but here it is. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came into this world to die for our sins and paid for our sins on the cross and is resurrected and living Lord and Savior. That gospel is proclaimed. And then this is what happens in the church. The Bible says in Acts 4.24, they lifted their voices together. The church is united. And here's then what happened. The mission continued. The mission continued. Acts 4.31 tells us they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's my suggestion to us today. Number one, pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. I know it's been a weird year and a half, but I want to ask you to pray for boldness. Lift up your voices to God in prayer and begin to pray for the lost world again. Pray for boldness. Pray that God will give you the boldness to speak the word of God to others. Number two, see the person. See the person. See the person. Not just a crowd of people, but the individual persons. And then do this. You know, Peter and John, don't miss this part of it. Peter and John reach down to the guy and take him by the hand. It's the name of Jesus, but it's the hand of Peter and John. They believe Jesus can save him. Have you ever had moments where down deep, you're really not believing or all that confident that so-and-so could actually get saved? I've had to repent of that. Because you see, I've, I've witnessed to my younger brother till I feel like I'm blue in the face. And I used to, when I would travel and speak at our churches, I used to ask people, pray for my brother Terry. And then I stopped asking, Chip. And the other week, a friend of mine was doing a funeral for his father-in-law and his own mother. Both of them got saved after the age of 70. 
I know better. My own grandpa got saved in his 70s. So you need someone to pray for? You pray for Terry. Believe Jesus still saves. That's the hope. That's the hope. And finally, folks, we just got to keep sharing. We got to keep reaching out in Jesus' name. We got to keep sharing the gospel of Christ. We can't quit because there's only power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says this, therefore, because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that's what? Above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. So loved ones, no more lame excuses, okay? Let's be people who are reaching out in Jesus' name. We're gonna sing a closing psalm as we get ready to do that. I just wanna kinda share with you a little list. I told the, second, the, the 930 service that I keep in my Bible. You can write your own list. You can probably look online and find one, but this is what I keep in my Bible. I call it Jesus is Lord A to Z, and I've listed some of his names. Let me just remind you of why you can have confidence in the name of Jesus and why you ought to know he brings hope to the hopeless person. He has healing power. And let this remind you of why you say hallelujah at the impact. A, he's ancient of days. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the advocate, author, and almighty. B, he's the bright morning star. He's the bread of life. He's the beginning and the end. C, he's the chief cornerstone. He's the champion of salvation. He's the chief shepherd. D, he is the day spring from on high. He's the door to the sheepfold. He's the deliverer from darkness. E, he's Emmanuel. He's El Shaddai, Elohim, everlasting father. He's our example. He's finisher of the faith. He's the first and the last. He's friend of sinners. Great high priest, good shepherd, he's God, he's the great physician. H, he's head of the church, holy one, hiding place, hope of glory. I, he's the image of God, he's your intercessor, he's immortal, he's invisible, but oh, he's not imaginary. J, he's judge, Jehovah Jireh, Rapha, and Shalom. K, king of kings, king of glory, kinsman, redeemer, keeper of the keys, amen. L, he's Lord of all, Lamb of God, Light of the world, Lion of Judah, he's the living water. He's Messiah, Most High God. He's our maker, man of sorrows, he's our master. He's the narrow way, he was Nebuchadnezzar's fourth man in the fire. He's the only begotten son, he's the offering once and for all. He's Prince of Peace, Power of God, Quieter of Storms, Rose of Sharon, Rock of Salvation, Resurrection and Life, Son of God, Son of Man, Servant, Savior, Shiloh, Strength, Song, and Shield. He's the Teacher, the True Vine, the Way, the Truth, and the Life. You, He's Unction from the Holy One. He is the Victor. He's Virgin Born. He's the Veil Splitter. He's Word of Life, Witness, Wonderful Counselor, Warrior, and Wisdom. Now, X, well, that's a stumper. That's hard. But I wrote down exempt from death forevermore. Amen. Won't that work for you? And yes and amen. He's Yahweh. He is Zion Stone. Church, have confidence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus transforms lives. So no more lame excuses. Keep reaching out in the name of Jesus. 
I invite you to stand to your feet, bow your heads with me in prayer.